I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. Of all the ways that Jesus could have been introduced, of all the things that could have been said about him, when it came time for the heavens to burst forth and for the angels to declare the grace of God present in the world, they chose to announce it by saying that there's a Savior. There's a lot of other ways that Jesus could have been announced. I think the angels could have said, hey, today in the town of David, a king is born. Because that's what he was. He was the king. He is the king of kings. And after all, isn't that what the people wanted? I mean, they wanted a king. They were tired of the Roman oppression. They were tired of Caesar. They wanted someone who would come and give them the great kingdom that they had heard, talked about for generations, coming from David. Someone who would just come and make everything in their world right. And you know, sometimes I think that's what we want of Jesus. We just want somebody who will come and make things right for us. I mean, it's great that he's a savior and all, but what I really needed, what I really wanted was a matchmaker because I'm just tired of being alone. And I'm glad that he's a savior, but, but what I really need is a financial advisor to be able to help me with, with all of my retirement plans. It'd be great, sure, to have a savior. But what about a career counselor? I mean, after all, I'm, I'm taking classes for the ACT and I'm getting ready to uh, go and take these finals. It's at the end of the semester. Just somebody to help me know what's coming in the future. Somebody to make things all right. He could have been introduced this way. Today in the town of David, a miracle worker has been born. I mean, who has ever done the things that Jesus has done? Who has that ability to, to make the lame walk and the blind be able to see, to be able to heal broken limbs? It was amazing. When Jesus went from town to town, people flocked to him, wanting to see the miracles. And it was like that somehow that there was this, that there was this great magic show that had arrived. They were perhaps glad that he had brought salvation, but what they really wanted was a wish granter. I think about the man in, in Matthew chapter 9. He is crippled and he is wanting healing. And Jesus says, guess what? Your sins, your sins are forgiven. Now a little bit later, he's going to, to give the man the healing of his legs that he wanted. But I wonder if in between that moment... In between the time where he says, your sins are forgiven, and the time that he says, get up and walk. I wonder if the guy was like, you know, forgiveness of sins is awesome, but I would love to be able to run again. Forgiveness is great, but I would just like to be able to stand on my own and take care of myself. You see, I think we're like that sometimes. Great, so God brings forgiveness. But what I really want in 2019 is a raise. That's what I want. 
Or I'd really like a spouse. Or I'd really like a child. God, I'm glad that you have brought me salvation. But in just a few days, could you bring me a new flat screen TV? Could, could I get an Apple Watch? That's what I really want, Lord. Great salvation, forgiveness, I understand. But there are other things that I really want. And I would really like a God who would just fix my temporary problems. The angels could have called him a miracle worker. They could have called him a peacemaker. The prince of peace has been born, they could have said. He brings peace. I was reading that psychologist, Dr. David Lewis, he did research of husbands who went shopping with their wives during the Christmas season. And these were husbands who were ranged in age from, from 27 to 79. And here's what they discovered. Their blood pressure rates were at the same as fighter pilots who were getting ready to go into battle. Yeah. I mean, some of you have been telling your wife for years, sweetheart, it's just not healthy. It's just not good for me. It's not good. <laughs> I read about a store this week that followed, followed one of these husbands with a camera. And they saw him going into housewares and going to anything that had a digital clock and setting all the alarms on the clocks to go off at five-minute intervals. <laughs> and they watched him and he went to another area of the store and he took a sign that said, Caution, wet floor, and he put it in a carpeted area. <laughs> they could hear him ducking behind the counters, humming the Mission Impossible theme song. <laughs> as he tried to make his way from one side of the store to the other. Hey, they even found him going into one of the dressing rooms, staying in there a while, and then it was audible on the cameras. You could hear him yell out, Hey, there's no toilet paper in here. <laughs> hey, whatever it takes to stay sane, right? I mean, whatever you can do. I mean, maybe for you it's not shopping. Maybe it's just planning that goes into having all the company. Maybe it's the financial stress that comes to you at this time each and every year. Maybe it's just the family function that turns into family dysfunction. You just, it'd be nice if the angels would have said, you know what? We're giving you a peacemaker. Behold, today, in the town of David, a king is born, a miracle worker is born, the prince of peace is born. Any of these things could have been said, but that's not, that's not the choice that was used. When all of heaven could open up the thesaurus and choose the word to use that would describe exactly what it was that was coming, exactly what was happening. The angel said, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. And guys, this is why I need Christmas so much. Because I need to be reminded that although Jesus is a King of kings, and although he is the miracle worker of miracle workers, and although he can provide peace upon peace, what I need more than anything else in my life is a Savior. It's a Savior. That's what I need the most. There's a great passage in Scripture. It's Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. And it shows a conversation that's going on between the prophet and between God. 
And God says this about what he is going to do for the sins of the people. He says, though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. See, there's no greater gift than that. No greater gift than to know that your sins are forgiven. To know that your stains have been removed. You know, it reminds me of a story that I heard recently about a family who had one of those rooms in their houses that were off limits. Any of you guys have those? That room that you, you only allow company to come in during special times? That room in your house that you try to always make it look as if nobody lives here? Well, this family had one of these. They had this room and it was filled with light-colored furniture. And the kids had all been told, listen, you cannot go into this room unless mommy or daddy goes with you because they didn't want to get anything dirty. They didn't want to make it look as if actual children, a family actually lived in this room. And the kids all knew the rules. One day the mom was going through and she was tidying things up, getting things ready. It was the Christmas season after all and Surely the families would be coming by and there would be guests and there would be an opportunity to go into the room. And as she was going through and picking things up, she came to one of the pillows that was there on the couch and she's getting it ready and she's fluffing it and she turns it over and she realizes that someone has been in the room. Someone has made a mistake and someone has tried their best to hide the mistake. Just turn it over. Turn it over and, and put it there in the chair so that nobody sees. I guess that's how we all do life, right? We don't, anybody, we don't want anybody to see the stains. We don't want anybody to know about the sin. We don't want anybody to know what we said, what we thought. We don't, we don't want anyone to know what we did. And so, like one of the children, we just take it and turn it over and, and hope that nobody comes in and nobody knows. And yet we read in Scripture in passages like the ones found in Romans chapter 3 that says, everyone has sinned and missed God's mark. We read passages in scripture that says, you know what? Everybody has this pillow. Everybody has the pillow that's stained. Everyone has made the spill. Everyone is messed up. And every one of us tries to hide it away as if nothing is wrong. As if we are the only ones who are perfect. I was reading some letters to Santa this week and one in particular caught my attention. It said this, Dear Santa, in our home we have three boys. Jeffrey is two, David is five, Norman is seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time, David is good most of the time, but Norman is good all of the time. I am Norman. <laughs> we, we like to think of ourselves that way, don't we? Right? I mean, there are some of you who are in here, you're good most of the time. And there are some of you who are good some of the time. And there are some of you, you just, your middle name's Norman, at least in your mind. 
You're the one that's good all the time. You're the one that has no stains. You're the one that has no problems. And yet we all have our sin. Even in the first pages of New Testament scripture, it's laid out for us. You look there in Matthew chapter 1 and there is this genealogy of Jesus and it's one of those areas that we just kind of skip over because it's got all these begats and begats and begats and it just gets a little monotonous and all these names are in there and some we recognize and some we don't and, and yet Matthew knows as a good Jew when you're giving genealogies you need to leave out the bad pieces. He leave out the bad parts and you need to just focus on the good but that's not what he does when he gives the genealogy of Jesus. As he talks about the people who were a part of Jesus' family tree. And there at the very beginning, there in verse 2, he talks about this guy named Abraham that many of you have heard of. Most of the world has heard of Abraham. He's known as the father of faith. And yet Abraham was a big fat liar. He was. He was a liar. And the Bible doesn't skip over those significant lies. It, it bears them out. And I don't know, maybe... Maybe you have been dishonest in some areas. And maybe you've told your kids that you're just not going to work as much and yet 2018 you found yourself busier than you've ever been before. Or maybe you made a promise to your spouse. Maybe you weren't going to take another drink. Maybe it was a promise to God. Maybe you made a promise to a friend to pay them back. But you know what? Just like Abraham, you are a man, you are a woman of great faith. But guess what? You're a big fat liar too. But there's good news because in the town of David a savior has been born a savior for Abraham and a savior for you you keep reading you find Abraham's son Isaac and you think well he's going to do something different no he just does what his dad does because that's often what we do we follow in the same steps of our our family and maybe you grew up saying you know what I'm not going to be like my mom I'm not going to do the things that my father did. I'm not going to get angry like my dad. I'm not going to be self-centered like mom always has been. And we just begin to take these, this different path. And, and we think we're going to wind up in a different place. And yet you woke up this morning, you looked in the mirror, and you saw your own parents staring back at you. And maybe you came in here this morning wondering, is it too late to take a different direction? You see, for anybody that's ever looking to start over, for anyone who's ever said, you know what, I don't want to get into the same trap that I've seen my family get into, guess what? There's good news because in the city of David, a Savior has been born for Isaac and for you. And you keep reading and there is Jacob, Isaac's son, and man, you talk about dysfunction. I mean, it's just one thing after another when you read Jacob's life. You're like, how can things get so messed up? And how can he be included in, in all of this that is said about God? And yet there he is. He lied to his father. He ripped off his brother. And maybe, maybe you know what? Maybe you're a cheat. And maybe you're just sliding your way through school hoping that no one knows how you're making the grades. Maybe you've cheated on your spouse. Maybe you're hoping that no one comes and moves this cushion and lets everybody know what's going on in your life. Guess what? I got good news for you. Because in the city of David, a Savior has been born for Jacob and for you. 
I'll just keep on reading in Matthew. You find all kinds of people listed there and you finally get down, you get down to David and and you expect maybe that it's going to say David a man after God's own heart, David the giant killer, David the psalm writer. But you know how David is listed in Matthew? It says David the father of Solomon whose mother had been Uriah's wife. You see, David had an affair. He'd had Uriah killed to cover up the stain. And yet today we read that in the city of David, a Savior has been born. David, there's good news. David, there's good news. Because even as, because of as much sin as you've had in your life, with all the mistakes and with all the times you try to get near to God only to fall flat for all the stains that you have in your life, David, guess what? In your town, a Savior has been born. And he's been born for you. The father, when he got home, was told by, by mom what she had found on the pillow. And so they asked all of the children to come into the room. Lined them up. Began to go over the rules again. How that they were, had been told that no one was to come into the white room. No one was to be in there without a parent and as the dad went over to take the pillow and to turn it over and reveal the stain, Megan, the middle daughter, ran out of the room in tears. Her guilt was too much. And it started becoming clear to the mom and dad why she had been avoiding that room when company had been coming over. Why she had been asking not to have Christmas in that room this year. She was so afraid that if anybody went into the room that her secret would be discovered. That somebody would turn over the pillow and her sin would be made known. Maybe you feel that way this morning. Maybe you were afraid to come here. Because you were afraid somehow that God would turn the cushion over. Yeah, here's the thing. God, God already knows what's on the other side of your cushion. Do you know that? God knows what is on the other side of the cushion. He knows about your sin. He does. He knows where you've been. He knows what you've done. He knows your past. He knows when your faith has been strong. He knows when it's been weak. Now sometimes we think of God and Santa Claus like they're one and the same. They're not. Santa Claus is a stalker. God isn't. You know Santa Claus is a stalker, right? He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Sing it with me. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. Why? Because he's a stalker. And we think somehow that, that God and Santa Claus are the same. And, and that there's this naughty and nice list. And, and that God is watching. And if somehow, if we can keep all of our cushions, all the pillows, if we can just keep them stain free then everything is going to be all right. And some of you guys have exhausted yourself. 
You have exhausted yourself trying to jump through hoop after hoop, trying to get more religious, trying to get more faithful, trying to be more perfect in hopes that somehow all the stains that are here will be, be somehow erased and taken away. And maybe I need to be the bearer of bad news or perhaps it's good news. You cannot get your stain out. You can't. You can't go to enough church services. You can't memorize enough Bible verses. You can't serve enough people. You just make your list. Whatever your list is, your list is not enough to be able to get rid of the stain that is the sin in your life. I told you that in Romans chapter 3, we're told that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the standard of God. Well, a few chapters later, that same writer, it's a guy by the name of Paul, he will say that the wages of sin, what you get, what you earn from that is death. He says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. He doesn't say that the gift of God is eternal life in your righteousness. That the gift of God is eternal life in your purity. The gift of God is eternal life because you have earned it. He says it's found in Jesus Christ. Why? Because in the city of David, a Savior was born. Savior was born. And that's exactly what we need. Freely the salvation is given and freely we receive it. We try to make up for our stains. We scrub and we scrub but the stains to remains. The father followed his daughter out of the white room and up the stairs. He went into her bedroom and she was sitting there in a chair looking out the window, sobbing. He put his arm around her and said, sweetheart, why don't we walk back downstairs? Let's go back downstairs with the rest of the family. Reluctantly, she got up. Was she expecting him to get angry and yell? Was she afraid that her dad wouldn't love her anymore? I don't know what was going through her mind. Together they went back into the white room and there was the couch and there was the cushion and there was the pink stain. Father asked Morgan how it happened and she said that one of the rules that the family had was that she was not to paint her fingernails by herself. And, but she thought if she went into the room that no one else was allowed to go into, she could get away with it. Because nobody would be looking for her there. And so she went into that room and she sat down and, and she began to paint her fingernails and she tried to be so careful. But as accidents often happen, she knocked over the fingernail polish and a little bit got onto the pillow and she said she tried to clean it up herself but it only made the stain worse. She said she scrubbed and she scrubbed, but some stains, you know, just do not come clean. So eventually she just flipped over the cushion. 
and ran out of the room and tried to do everything she could to make sure no one went in and saw. What do you do? What do you do, Dad, when your children blow it? Mom, what do you do when you had your expectation? It was there for your little guy, your little gal, and they just haven't lived up to it. This father walked over to the couch. He took the pillow. He turned it over. He said, Megan, I forgive you. You can never make a stain bad enough that mommy and me will stop loving you. The pillow, I'm told, remains in the house to this day. No longer turned, showing the nice, clean, white side. But there with the stain for everyone to see. It no longer represents guilt. It no longer is a sign of fear. Instead, now it is all about forgiveness. It's all about mercy. And it's all about grace. And a reminder from a father to his child that no stain is greater than his love. I need Christmas. See, there's a lot of things I think I need in life. There's a lot of things I want. There's a lot of things I would like. But I need Christmas. Because I need God to remind me what is truly important. I need to be able to see who I am with all of my flaws. I need to be able to understand my inadequacies. And I need to be able to see the salvation of God. And so that's what Christmas does. Christmas brings the salvation of God back into focus. Because after all the months and after all the weeks and after all the days of trying to hide the stain, I need to hear that there is news of great joy. Because in the town of David, a Savior has been born. And so later on this Christmas season, I'm sure I'm going to look out the window and there's going to be some snow falling at some point in time. And that snow is going to be a reminder of how the grace of God falls and covers all of my stains. And so I say, let it snow. Let it snow and allow the grace of God to fall and to remind me again. 
And to the father who was driving here today, who got all frustrated with the kids who were in the back seat, let it snow. And, and to the mom who is here, who has been so consumed with her, with her own personal worth and value, let it snow. To the teenager who is sitting here thinking, you know what? I've blown it and I've messed up and now it's just over. It's just over. Let it snow. To the man who went further this week than he said he would ever go. To the woman who went or who didn't go far enough. Let it snow. And to the person in this room who has never experienced what it is like to know the Savior of the world, then I say, let it snow. Why don't you come this morning and allow the grace of God to cover your stains? How about it? I give you good news of great joy. For today in the town of David, a Savior is born. Will you praise him with me as together we stand and sing?